Hi, I'm Brendan Telfer, and this is The Age Stage, and today I'm on location. It's a special edition of the program because I'm at the Village Glen in Rosebud, or Capital Sound more correctly. I'm standing in front of the entry to this sprawling retirement village, having negotiated a winding kilometre driveway that famously turns off the Nepean Highway and is lined by trees and beautiful vegetation. The reason I'm here is to discover firsthand how this sprawling 120-acre, 1,000-person village came about. What was the thinking behind this pioneering project? How does it work? What services does it offer its residents? What do they think about it? And where is it going into the future? I thought the best way to find out was to come to the village glen, to find out firsthand. But to begin this story, it turns out that we have to go back in time, four decades in it's 1978. Sir Robert Menzies has just died. Brett Whiteley has won the Archibald Prize and the Hawks have down north to win the grand final and Brocky has famously won Bathurst again in his big LX Tirana. For older Australians, the nursery home industry is in its infancy. In Melbourne, there are only four residences and most of those are run by charitable and church groups. Amongst all this is a young Melbourne builder. He's doing all right. He's got some great contract work with the ANZ Bank, the cash flow is coming in okay, and he's reinvesting his building proceeds into property. Meet Chaz Jacobson, the man who would deliver the Village Glen and revolutionise the residential care sector in this state. At some point in my very earlier creative life, I, I, I can remember saying to myself that we're little bits we're a little bit silly the way we we organize our lives we we work uh, we get a holiday home uh, we get a boat we get a caravan we build a swimming pool we build a gymnasium all of these things but half the time we never get the time you spend the time to, to get the resources to buy these facilities then you work like hell to maintain them but you get very little time to yourself that you can actually use them and I thought if you could get a half a dozen like-minded people that bought a five-acre site or a ten-acre site and built built their houses on it but but had one tennis court, had one swimming pool, um, ha- combined and bought a beach holiday home and, and a, a snow holiday home, um, in other words, like a, a mini commune that you would actually share... The, the, those resources and and have one boat and one caravan and whatever it was and I thought you must be able to find a half a dozen people with like-minded that would, would do that and I think that festering itself in the back of my brain is what made me think ultimately of, of, of a bigger commune which was obviously the start of the village. Chaz Jacobson who fired by a vision of something grander saw the Rosebud site as the ideal location for his retirement residence. In fact, he was so passionate about his dream, he hired John Brown, the real estate agent, who sold him the property in the first place. And then he sent him on a national and worldwide tour to study and bring back to Rosebud everything he could about the retirement industry. They started with a blank piece of paper and came up with a cluster design for their units. No fences, an emphasis on the landscape and all single-level living. I get a lot of pleasure out of, out of the development side, the design of it and, and, and putting the buildings together. I guess I'm a frustrated architect in a sense. You know, I've never, made, I've never been motivated by money. I've been more motivated by the, 
challenge of putting something together, um, putting something that is unique, uh, something that, that might be ahead of its time. Um, you know, we started the village with, with, oh, probably, I don't believe I had, I, I believe my business was, was, was in the hands, um, was in the, in the red, shall I say, because we, we've always, like whilst we built a lot of work for the banking organisation, a lot of schools and things like that, we went out and acquired other properties. We built some factories for ourselves and other commercial developments. So we have a pretty strong building port um, property portfolio, which helped us finance anything. It, it, the cash flow was there to service the loans, but you know, when we went through you know the credit restrictions, and you know the villas. Uh, well, prior to that, we went through that boom period where inflation was running at, you know, 15 and 16 percent. And I, I remember the first lot of money I borrowed, I was paying the vendor, we were paying 26 percent interest, you know, and you'd lay in bed at night looking at the ceiling, just waiting for dawn so you could get up and go to bed and earn some money to pay the interest. It was just phenomenal. But at the same time, units which we started selling at um, probably 28, 30 odd thousand dollars were going up. Three, four thousand dollars every three months. It was like a roller coaster. Um, but, but we, you know, we were in, we were in debt for probably the first 15, 20 years of our construction because we kept on buying more land and pouring, you know, new villas back into it. But, but, um, uh, and a retirement village is not a business that you, it's got an immediate cash flow. You've got to, you've got to work at that and, and 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 get get re- recognition and acceptance in the industry that, that that's where people want to live, um, and that's a constant thing because there's a lot of new villages being built. But sincerely, I I never we never costed out the village and said that was going to cost ten dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. We just built it. We just we were confident enough that that we'd do it right, and we were confident enough that we'd structure. We, you know, we'd be hands-on with the with the residents, and I think that's why we're so successful. I mean, there's there's nearly a thousand people live here, and and um, I had the good fortune to have my 80th birthday a couple of days ago, and they put on an afternoon tea for me, and it was just fantastic. The rapport with upper management with the resident, and I think that's they always know that that if they if if they need me, then I'm available, and that's been the philosophy for 40 odd years. Well, now, 40 years on, I find myself sitting in the Village Glen's Clubhouse Cafe, enjoying the hospitality of Chief Operations Officer Peter Nilsson, taking in the spectacular views across the Village Golf Course to Arthur's Seat and beyond the far-off Dandenong Ranges. Nearby is the famous creek and the stand of willows that so besotted Chaz Jacobson 40 years earlier and became the first parcel of land in a jigsaw of acquisitions that would lead to this sprawling Village Glen facility. The Glen's Clubhouse Cafe is attached to the Village Swimming Pool and to the Gymnasium. The cafe is the focal point of Village Life. There's a buzz about the place. The tables are full, lunch service is in full swing. It's a meeting place for the residents, and today a place for Peter Nilsson and I to catch up. It's an independent living retirement village, so... In essence, what we say is the village Glen and the houses and the people who live here is just another street in another suburb with wonderful services. And that's why people come here, for the community, the services, the socialisation and the facilities. 
but it is also very substantial. You were running through some numbers for me earlier on in terms of the number of residences you have and also the number of those that uh, call this place their home. Yes, this is a 50-hectare site, which is 120 acres. We have 616 independent living houses here, if you like, 800 people. Um, it's, it's a, in lots of ways, it's a small country town. In fact, it's bigger than a lot of small country towns. So, and then with our tea tree uh, residential aged care facility, another 234 people, there's over a thousand retirees living on this site. The responsibilities then for you and your team, it's at times I'm sure a difficult job, at other times a very rewarding job. Uh, I never find it difficult. I find it very rewarding. I mean, I'm blessed, I think. There wouldn't be a day that I go home of an evening that I haven't sort of made a difference in someone's life. It's it's, it's funny, um, our staff stay with us a long time, so I think a certain type of people gravitate to this hospitality-type business, being aged care, and residential uh, in, independent living retirement villages. Uh, I see my colleagues in other villages, they also have staff who, who really love what they do. Um, in fact, a lot of people, when they finish their working career, actually move into the village. <laughs> so... In some respects, it's a lifestyle that we all aspire to. There's no such thing as a a stress-free place to live, Brendan, but I think villages in general, and this village in particular, is probably the closest thing to a stress-free lifestyle. Peter Nilsson, who is the Chief Operating Officer of the Village Glen, a man who has dedicated much of his working life to the village, and we're sure that the man that convinced him to do so and commit 24 years ago, Chaz Jacobson was then and still is a visionary. So it's all about service at the Village Glen and part of that commitment also involves 24-7 nursing support. This is Ruth Angus. I'm one of the registered nurses. There's seven of us. Three of them work on night shift and there are four of us on days. During the day, there's one of us in the office here um, responding to the smart call alarm system. And then overnight, the nurse sleeps in one of the apartments. And again, if the residents need anything, they press their um, alarm button and the nurse responds. And she can visit and do first aid or call ambulances or, yeah, whatever's needed. You know, there are um, a lot of elderly people in the village and they um, they feel really reassured that they can just press an alarm call and the nurse will respond. Um, we're, we're registered nurses, so we have that ability to triage their um, their problems and um, sometimes it just involves us going around and, and seeing them at home and then other times it involves calling for the ambulance. And so instead of being very focused on, on one particular type of, of nursing, you have to have a lot of skills in, in a lot of different uh, areas. We, we have a little clinic that we run here um, every day so the residents can come down and, and they can have that uh, that specialist skill. You, you would obviously develop very close relationships with your clients and with the residents as well. Is, is that a difficult element of your job? 
Well, you do you do develop that that closeness with them, but as being a nurse for over thirty years, as I have, and district nursing in particular, you learn to separate that professional and um, um, and, and personal contact with them. Um, but there are some that you do get quite close to, and um, you know sometimes if something happens to them, whether they go to hospital and whatever, we we obviously get quite um, quite quite upset when when they do that I'm Brendan Telfer and you're listening to a special edition of the Age Stage it's been recorded live at the Village Glen Capital Sound so what of the residents it's back to the clubhouse at the Village Glen Cafe to meet our first resident Dorothy Chisholm. Dorothy, how long have you been here in this facility? I've been here six, almost six and a half years. What brought you here? The fact that I lived in a house in Sorrento on a hill, and the hill got too much, and it's such a wonderful place, I decided to come in here. What is the great attraction of this place in particular? Why this particular residency? The service, for one thing. Uh, the villas are well designed. Everything is flat so that as you get older you don't have to try creeping up and down hills. The, the, the fact that this the building that we're in now is available to us at every day, seven days a week. Meals can be bought here for seven days a week. Uh, the nursing service is absolutely wonderful. Uh, if you happen to need a nurse and you... Uh, ring for them, they're at you or at your villa within a couple of minutes at the most. It's a beautiful facility. I mean, here we are in this wonderful restaurant cafe. We're looking out over the golf course and over the beautiful grey skies today, I must say, over the peninsula. We're surrounded by your beautiful friends as well. So I guess they're regular visitors or you can have your friends here as often as you like. What's the story? I, I have my friends here, like this group particularly, uh, come in, well, this lady comes in at least once a week. The rest of them would be at least two to three times a month at the, at, at least that many. There are what, six, six of us here at the moment. Uh, sometimes we have up to eight of us, but it just depends on who's available at the time. So the idea is that you can bring your old life into this facility oh, as well? Definitely, definitely. And, and I think they enjoy coming here. They, they seem to keep coming back, so they must enjoy themselves. And they seem to eat well when they come here, so they don't cook when they go home. They just survive on the beautiful food here. It's great when the, when the golfers are out playing. We can sit and all criticise and see what they're doing wrong. Not that I'm a golfer, but, but uh, Eula is, and she, she can do her criticisms as they go along. I was going to ask you about your handicap. No, no, my handicap's me. <laughs> No doubt then you would be recommending this facility for, for other people. Definitely. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, in fact, I'm not quite sure why everybody just doesn't move in here. But then again, it might become overcrowded. On a more serious note, Dorothy, do you like the idea that this is a protected, gated community? Well, I do, but there are some people who would not like being in here. Uh, I know of some people who prefer to stay and get help in their own home which is very very available on the peninsula I must admit but as far as I'm concerned this is the ideal place for for me I'm I'm not quite as young as I used to be 
Uh, so I, I feel that everything is available for me here. Uh, and But I can understand what you're asking about people living outside. It's not always easy as you get older, when, particularly if you can no longer drive. But as I said, there are facilities available for them too, as well as the, the ones provided here. But here you think you have the better of them? Uh, well, I think I do, definitely. Well looked after. Uh, and as far as I have been, look, I've tried recommending it to all sorts of people to come in here. Some have, some haven't, and that's, that's life. Would you recommend it to me? Yes. Why not? Why not? Definitely. You look to me as though you're about the right age to come in. Would you lock the door? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me? This is the Age Stage on RWPFM, and today we're on location at the Village Glen, Rosebud, or more correctly, Capital Sound, to meet the residents, the staff, the people that operate and run one of the peninsula's premier aged care facilities. So let's catch up with some more of the residents. Meet June Elder, a three-and-a-half-year resident of the Village Glen, who we find in the Hobby Centre. So what brought June to the Village Glen, indeed the peninsula? Uh, I knew the area because we've had a holiday home down at Rye for all my life, so I knew the area. And uh, I had lived all my life in Carlton, which is the opposite of down here, and never wanted to leave Carlton. Now I don't want to go back. (laughs) <laughs> so, so what happened in the intervening years, do you think? Uh, my husband took sick, and we have no family, so we thought it was about time we started looking to our future of what security we could get for our old age. And this was it. And we saw a few other places, but we were not interested in them. They were too, too compact, um, no trees... No gardens. <laughs> Coming from a girl that sort of grew up or lived in Carlton, I find that hard to believe, though. It is rather, but, um, oh, no, we had a, a garden up yeah. there. So uh, I lived near Princess Park, so uh, I wasn't. But now it's not the same old Carlton. The football team is. <laughs> um, so you get about, you, and, and you can, you've transferred your life, your friends uh, down here as well? For some reason, they had a tendency to die off just when I was coming down here, so I did lose a few. Uh, those that I, I've still got, uh, we're in contact. They come down and visit me. Uh, I go up there occasionally and visit them. But I've made so many here, I haven't got time. There's too much to do here. Well, we're we're flat out all the time. <laughs> Are you still driving? Do you drive? Yes, yes, I drive. So you have full mobility as well. You oh, can yes, get up and about. Yes, yes, I can get a have a few aches and pains and all those things that comes mm. with everything. Do water aerobics. I do. Oh, we have devotions of a, a Tuesday morning. Um, we have quite a few ministers in the village that take. Um, the, the uh, service, just a small service in the morning, but it's nice to start the day with. Uh, Wednesday, I have china painting, which I'm very fond of. And, of course, patchwork here. And, uh, but then at the weekend, we usually go out, go to the markets. There's a market on every Saturday in the area. And uh, church of a Sunday. And 
I don't know. I, I can't wake up in the morning saying, what day is it? Because I have to plan what I'm going to do. <laughs> and, and what about Carlton? Does it still pull at your heartstrings a little bit, that football team? Do you think that... I, I'm hoping that one day they'll get up again. But nevertheless, we're trying anyway. <laughs> we're growing. Um, Carlton, though, every time I go back now, it's changing and it's getting very um, graffiti-fied. <laughs> which I don't like, um, and noisy. I've got used to the lovely... Pe- oh, I won't say it's quiet down here. The birds that are a racket of a morning and keep you awake and all that stuff. But <laughs> it's lovely to hear them. No matter where you go in the village, Glen, the residents are its greatest fans and promoters. The facility has recently undergone a big marketing revamp to emphasise the Jacobson family connection, but the village is more than that. Let's meet another resident. My full name is Veronica Steer. Tell me a little bit about your life. You've been here for seven and a half years, you say? Yes, that's right. And you started living here with your late husband, but in the last two years you live alone? Yes, with a little dog. A little aged dog. And the little aged dog's name is? Lily. Tell me, um, for you and Lily, what is what are the advantages? What's the attraction of living in a facility like this? It's community. It's a caring, compassionate uh, community that has been very supportive with me and my late husband when he was diagnosed with his illness and going through the grief journey. It's been a wonderful place here to be supported with very good friends and neighbours. So many facilities at our our beck and call that we can avail ourselves of as we choose. Is it difficult for older Australians to live in a normal suburban environment these days? Is Is it difficult? Do you find that you have the security and expectation of security here in this village environment? Very much so, yes. It's, um, although we're not a fully gated uh, community, there is one, one entrance that is not gated. It, there is a feeling of security, I think, and very much looking at, well, where I live, my, I've got excellent neighbours and in a, the village is broken up into clusters and my particular cluster that I'm living in is very, very supportive. Was security an issue um, when you first came in here, when you decided with your husband to move in here seven years ago? It wasn't. It wasn't as as much as it probably is now. When you hear of what's happening in inner suburbia, where we came from, you know, I don't have any of the anxieties that I'm sure a lot of people living in, in inner suburbia have these days of break-ins and all sorts of horrible things that have been happening. Did you come from the Mornington Peninsula? No, I came from Mount Albert. So you've come all the way across town to come to this facility? Yes. Why is that so? Well, we came here, um, first of all, we visited friends, not looking at any retirement village. We visited some friends who'd invited us to come and have a coffee with them. And my husband, as, as they showed us their lovely villa and the complex, said, I could live in a place like this. And I never thought I would hear my husband say that. And I thought, right, I'm going to file that away for, 
for for um, down the track. And the down the track came sooner really than we expected because we we both had a couple of health issues, minor health issues with your limbs as you're getting older, my knee and his um, shoulders. And he said, this is it, we've got to get out of suburbia and let's move to a retirement village. So we did. And we researched many different retirement villages every Friday. My job was to um, assess the different places around, not only in the peninsula, but down in Melbourne suburbia as well, and uh, just to make appointments. And we would go every Friday. We would visit two different retirement villages, and this was the one that met our needs. Do you miss your old freedoms and your old choices in your old lifestyle or are you happy with what you've got here? No, I'm very happy with uh, what I've got here. I do miss some of my friends back in, in, in town, you might say, but I keep in touch with them. And if, if your friends are good friends, they will keep in touch. I'm Brendan Telfer and you're listening to a special edition of The Age Stage. It's being recorded live at the Village Glen, Capital Sound. More recently, the Village Glen added another massive annex. It's the Tea Tree Centre, and where, once again, we catch up with uh, Chief Operating Officer Peter Nilsson. So, Peter, we've moved across the, the back end of the compound now, and here we are at Tea Tree. We've walked into this amazing foyer, which is very light, a beautiful vertical fountain here as well. It's home to a number of your advanced care residents. What precisely is its function? Uh, this is what what's known in the industry as a residential aged care facility, what we used to know as a nursing home. So we have 230 residents here who we look after, and those people all live in single bedrooms with, with an ensuite bathroom, uh, but all their services are delivered, meal services are delivered in a dining room, uh, breakfast trays in the morning, etc. So this, this is the old nursing home model, but updated to the 2000s as a hotel. It's just when you walk in here, you say, wow. There's a bit of a wow factor here, isn't there? So I've graduated from the village and I can move across here and look to spend perhaps some palliative care here, whatever I might need. Yeah, certainly we do do palliative care, but the bulk of our residents are not palliative. They are at a stage of their lives where if they were living independently at home or in the village clan, they would be at risk. They, they, they need more attention than, than we can give them independently, so they move here at a time of their choosing. Um, they need to be assessed by the federal government called the Aged Care Assessment and once that's done, this is subsidised by the Commonwealth Government and our residents pay a co-payment to live here but the bulk of the funds that we need to run this facility are provided by the taxpayer. Number of residents that you do have here? 230. Mm. So this this is uh, the ninth largest nursing home in Australia and I think the second or third in Victoria. Number of staff? 350. So you have responsibility for this group, this, this operation, as well as what we saw on the other side of the fence over at the village? Yes, yes we do, yeah. And just, just I think the, what I want to highlight here is if you turn around behind you is our cafe. Um, one of the most important things for us is the cafe. And let me tell you why that is. If you went to visit your grandparents, in essence these people are of an age to be our grandparents if you went to visit them at home, what's the first thing that would happen when you walked in the door? 
the inevitable apple pie comes out. Or a cup of tea. Or a cup of tea. Uh, I'll put the kettle on. So clearly our residents can't do that. So we provide this cafe, and what happens when visitors come to see their loved ones, the first thing that happens, they find them either in their room or in, in one of our many lounges, and they'll come here and sit down, have a coffee, coffee, cappuccino, have a cake, and rather than the visit take five minutes and then people wonder what they're going to talk about, I'll spend an hour in the cafe. So it's really social. As you can see behind you, there's people here now just chatting away and having a coffee. Um, it's, it's a great, great attribute of the facility. As the population gets older, do you envisage this gets uh, bigger? No, not on this site, no. We are building more of these, one in Mornington and hopefully one at Baxter. So our business model is to be peninsula-centric. It's like three other will be, actually, isn't it? <laughs> peninsula-centric. Great. I love synergies. <laughs> yes. So that's our model. Uh, the theory is if we can't drive to the facility within half an hour, we don't want to own it. So that's, that's our management style, to be able to get to any of our properties within half an hour and, and not, don't spend time on jets and at airports. Our senior people who clearly make this tick with the staff need to get access to it quickly. Um, I believe the Monington Peninsula is the second oldest region in Australia in terms of those over 60. Yes, it is, and has been for a long time. So about 40% of the residents in Tea Tree formerly came from the village Glen. So there's a, there's a clear segue for residents, should they choose to have it, from their independent living villa at the village Glen into Tea Tree. And, and that's our model. Uh, and, and it's a good model. It works well. It, it gives people that peace of mind of knowing that should things go a little pear-shaped in their health, that there is a way to stay within their community. Um, clearly, if the husband and wife, one of the partners needs to go into care, well, as you know, we just walked here from t- from the village. You can walk in and say hello. So you can come in any hour of the day or night to see your loved one. Don't have to get on public transport. Don't have to drive. It's all part of what we do. You're a stats man. How do you see the uh, demographics of the Mornington Peninsula? Is it going to stay that old or does it come down in terms of average ages as the uh, pressures from southeast Melbourne start to burble down here? Uh, I'm thinking it's going to stay the same, if not get elevate, because in essence what happens is the peninsula on this side of Port Phillip Bay is a playground of people. They have their holiday homes here. And a lot of people, once they retire, retire to their holiday home. So as those people move into the village glen and they're selling their properties to people who are buying a holiday home. And they, so the whole thing will recreate itself. So I'm not thinking any time soon the baby boomers will be retiring to the peninsula. They're, they're doing that now. And, and then in 10 to 15 years time, they will become clients of the village glen and maybe 10 years after that, clients of tea tree. This is a very localised business then. It is uh, peninsula-centric. Why that decision? Why don't you go chasing big dollars, huge margins in more densely populated parts of Melbourne, for instance? I I think it's because we're all peninsula people, and as I said, our business model is to to stay local and be local and and employ local. So uh, we don't need to be all things to all people. We're happy just to be all things to our own little patch. And that's the, I, I support Chaz, and that's Chaz's decision, and I support it. I, I have represented Chaz on the um, Retirement Living Council, which is part of the Property Council, and that meant we, we met in Sydney every four to six weeks. And I can I tell you, that day that I had to fly to Sydney for the day, I found a real chore how people commute 
to businesses Australia-wide regularly, like three or so days a week, I don't know how they do it, because it took me a day or two to recover from that day. <laughs> so I think it's the right model. I'm, I'm all one for staying and playing in your own patch. The Village Glen seems to have it all, and so to Chaz Jacobson, who only recently celebrated his 80th birthday. 40 years he's piled his energy into the Village Glen, a concept he started when he thought about the needs of his very own mother. So what does he think now, all these decades later? What was it in him that drove to provide and build a structure and a support system around our older and the more vulnerable members of our community? What drove Chaz Jacobson? Um, let's have a little think there. Um, look, uh, uh, I guess in life I, I, I'm of the belief that yeah, you, you have to share. Um, some people are more fortunate than others. As I said, I've been very lucky that um, uh, I've, I've had the ability to do these things uh, and I, I guess there's some genetics in here I guess somewhere that, that motivates you because you know I'm not uh, I'm not highly educated um, and so I guess this is a bit emotional trying to think out how all this put together um, it just as I said, it, it, it started with this communal thing which was more proper, property aligned, that it was a waste where ten people have ten swimming pools, one swimming pool would do. So I guess the concept of, the, of what I wanted to create was there from a building point of view, from a, an emotional point of view and a, and a hands-on uh, tying yourself to this sort of thing and taking on the responsibility of caring for these people. I don't know, I was just genetically engineered that way that it happened. Um, I only had a mother bring me up, so there was no father influence, but I was lucky in those earlier years to be mentored by, you know, I can remember a church elder who ran a very big business and he invited me in to tender on some work, so he gave me a kick start. Um, my father-in-law of many years ago, who was a domestic builder, Gave, gave me an introduction into my first commercial bank. Um, and so, but I only needed one opportunity to create a dozen opportunities, so all that grew naturally. Um, I, I don't know, it, it's not, to me it's, uh, to me it's easy. I, um, yeah. As you look out on the world, Chaz, and you look at what you have been able to provide here, it's a very different world to the 1970s. It's a difficult place to do business. Um, there's some interesting and very difficult political times ahead. How do you see it? How do you see it panning out? Oh, wow. Um, look, I, I think we've got an ageing population and they've got to be cared for. And we're now into... We're now probably into a third generation. When we started back, the industry started, you know, probably say in the late 60s, early, so early, early 70s. As we came in, we bought the land in 79, and as I said, there were two or three villages around. But now it's a, it's a multinational, Australia-wide grouping. I mean, we were instrumental in forming the Retirement Village Association of Victoria, RVAV. Um, and the reason that happened was a little bit comical, but there were, you know, when we first come into it, the, the biggest thing was 
the the resident didn't get a, a contract. Sorry, he didn't get a title. He got maybe a lease or a license, and there were many forms of occupancy apart from what all of us have been brought up with was a title. We got a piece of land when we bought a prop, a piece of paper when we bought some land or a or a business. Um, and so the new industry, there was a need to sort this out. So we were always interested in what was the contract arrangements of our opposition and all these things. And we'd send our, our grey-haired auntie over to the village to see if she could get access to the documentation and everything else. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I, I said to John, free up these other four or five operators and I'll shout them a counter lunch, and which we had at the Notting Hill pub. And let's sit down if we can see if we've got some common interest here and, and such. And that was the birth of the association. So I say because I paid for the lunch, I was the founding member, so off we went. So I served many years on the Victorian Council and um, was president for a number of years. And and we the, the government had to re-legislate. In 1986, the Retirement Village Act came in because there were a host of villages coming up and the government saw some protection was needed with these types of leases and licences. And we played a very, as an association, a very active part. And uh, I sat on a committee to advise the government on the structure of the Retirement Village Act. And then that grew. I came off that. I took over, I used to, took over the promotional side of it because I enjoyed the creative advertising side of things. And so we put a lot of effort into the industry, as did a lot of the other member villages. Ultimately, it went national, and then it went under the um, uh, the building council. So so it's it, there's, there's a good backbone there for the future. To, to address that as today, um, th- because we're in a third generation almost, the, the baby boomers that are coming forward, you know, they've, they've, they've probably, in some instances, put, um, assisted their parents to go into retirement community. And so to them, it's going to be very much a, an option or another, another uh, source of quality of life when they get older. So the village has to change. And that's why, um, even though the entry age is going in, the, the, the the, the resident is is demanding a lot more. As I said, we started where we tried to... We thought the industry wanted, or the consumer wanted to downsize. As I said, now we've got to build three bedrooms, double garages, the, you know, beautiful houses we sell in Rosebud for, you know, our top units are in the $700,000 bracket. You know, we started our first units with $30,000. So that's been the growth in the industry, the capital growth, which is across the board. Where will we go from here? Look, I think the most frightening part is, 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 you know, the thing that worries me is, is our safety and this terrorism thing is, is something that worries, I think, most, most, um, concerned family members and you worry about your family that go off and travel the world, etc. And I suppose Australia, um, is pretty, is, is lucky it's an island. It's a little bit, it's a long way to travel to get here. Not to say that, that we're not going to have any trouble, but I guess that's the biggest, I'm more concerned with that quality of life. Yes, things are changing. The government, uh, you know, with the aged care industry or the aging population, there's a, you know, there's only so much, there's, there's only one cake. You can only slice it up into so many bits. And the government have got a big chore on their hands as to, where the funds are going to come from to support this ageing population and there's lots of changes and and uh, I guess, you know, I, I see long term that the government will want you, the, the the resident, the consumer, to exhaust all of your funds on your retirement and I think pensions will get very difficult to get or to be able to service that they will give you the quality of life. Um, 
you know, when I... Uh, I used to joke years ago, you know, you need the 100000 in your superannuation. You need a million dollars in your superannuation now to give you a reasonable quality of life, and particularly when interest rates drop down to where they are at present. Sure, they'll equal out over a number of years and you'll have 10 or 15% return, but, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's what you're handing on to your kids, and, and yeah, it's, it's there's still business opportunities there, but, as I said, it's safety... And those types of things that, that, that uh, you know, to, to yourself, you pick up the newspaper and somebody's blowing up some kids in, in some country in the world, you know, it's just, you know, there's, there's, when I say there's no end to it, there's got to be a solution because, you know, if you go back in history, I suppose, lots of earlier earlier conflicts in the world must have looked like it was the end of the world coming and yet we survived them. So let's hope we said, well, no, no, let's hope we will survive that so as far as the impact on 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 businesses i think you know australia's changing from you know we we made our money in the early 1900s off the back of the sheep then we dug holes in the ground and exported stuff so we have to find some other commodity that the world wants um, and we're pretty smart in technology and things like that but that's only you know for a percentage of the population but i don't want to get onto politics and things like that but as you look back on what you've achieved as you said you celebrated your 80th birthday the other day residents family and also the crew here that big 80 out there they all stood around the aerial shot absolutely fantastic are you happy with what you've done what you've achieved um, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm super pleased, but I, I mean, the pleasure also is we've got our third generation of our family working in the business, so that's a little bit unique in in businesses of this sort. So, and I think that's been a degree of certainty for the residents uh, that there's a there's a Jacobson or a Jacobson family member um, in in the business or number of so. Um, you know, there's probably ten, 10 of our family are involved in one way or another in the village. So when I, when I, uh, I pass on, there's going, there's going to be you know some well-trained family members that I'm sure will carry on, carry on that. Um, you know, I, you know, 365 days in every, every year, and I can't remember over the 50 odd years I've been, 60 odd years I've been working for myself. You, you could count on one hand maybe the days where I didn't feel like going to work. Um, so uh, I get excited about every day. So it's, it gives me a chance to build something and to share that with uh, with our residents. So that won't change. And I think I've I've, um, I've I think my children have inherited that 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 um, that qualification that they must must share that they must look for other people. You know, and it's it's a great day, great satisfaction when you get a resident say, you know fantastic i really enjoyed this or i really enjoyed that and there's some beautiful cards written to me which you know on reflection it just it, they just make it all the work they just make it all worthwhile but you're getting into the emotional side of it i'm brendan telfer and you've been listening to a special edition of the age stage recorded on location at the village glen capital sound Join us again next week when we return with our usual program at 11am.